0: You're listening to another great message from Northside Community Church. Guys, have you ever had as travellers, now this church, boy, I I don't know a group of people, a concentrated group of people has travelled as much as, as you guys have. So in your travels, have you ever had your expectations really exceeded you've heard about a certain thing, you've read about a certain thing, you might have seen pictures, people have told you, but when you actually get there, it's wow. huh? Now generally it works the other way, you get told about some someplace, the expectation builds up, and you get there and yeah, okay, I don't forget how disappointed I was with the Mona Lisa, you know, like uh, I-, I thought it was about as big as that screw about the scree, <laughs> you get there and like little, and so you think, hmm, that's interesting, um, well, I went to France uh, back uh, in 2012 uh, to celebrate our wedding anniversary. And one of our morning congregation members, a Frenchman by the name of uh, Pascal Borgia, uh he had said to me, look, when you go to France, you must see the pont du garde and, like, I didn't even know what he was talking about. when He said, you know, you're going away. And everybody says, you must see, you must see. He said, no, Graham. And he kept saying for weeks before he we left, Graham, you must promise me you'll see the Ponte Guard. Okay. So I wrote it down and did a little bit of checking uh, and we, we found out that we were, actually it was on our route and so that was fine. Well, i got to tell you, when we walked around the bend, you go from the information centre around the corner and there is the Ponte Guard. It's quite breathtaking it It kind of looks like this. I yes, bought some slides. Uh, there is the Pontegard. Now, those little spots there, they are people. now, guys, this thing was built by the Romans in southern France in fifty a d right and it's a it's an aqueduct. Who's been to see the Ponteard? Oh, am I the only one? Oh no, really, seriously, come on, really. Okay, you must put it on your list if, when you go to France, uh, because it, it, it transported water from the springs in the nearby mountains to the city of Nîmes, N I M E S, where denim was uh, was uh, discovered, and uh, that has a, We have a north side link to Nîmes as well, because one of our morning attenders or members, Valerie Forestier, it's her hometown. So this brought water from the from the uh, from the hillsides or the mountain springs. 50 kilometres to the city of Nim at a rate of 160 million litres per day in 50 AD. And it would service their fountains and their springs and their running water. And their I mean, these, how advanced were these Romans in 50 AD? Amazing. And uh, what's the next one there, uh, Brendan? Yeah, so you get a, I can get a sense. Of, this thing's 50 metres high and that's the river guard g a r d and ponteguard is basically the bridge over the guard and so the romans in their ingenuity to keep the water flying, the water used to flow up the top one only right so that's the, so the next one is um, is for um, pedestrians but it would flow on this flow through this little channel and 50 kilometres and it was all engineered and so that when it reached this point they had to keep it that high to keep the flow of the water you get it you engineers get it am I going too fast uh, that's, that's, that's how it worked last one is the crucial one why has this thing stood like this for all these years since fifty eighty? 80 I mean the Apostle Paul could have visited this this is 20 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ the Apostle Paul could have done a little French Riviera trip actually probably would have done him good actually it it, it It probably would have lightened him up a little bit, you know. (laughs) Paul, you know, don't keep coming on so strong about this women thing. You know, lighten up, mate. Get down there and have a little rest, have a little holiday in the south of France. Here's the secret: those stones were laid individually. There is no mortar holding those stones together. Each one was carved specifically for the place that it occupies. No mortar. What happens in buildings when there's mortar? The mortar crumbles and the bricks or the stones start to move and, and there are ruins all around the world of, you know, that are this high. That were once castles and now they're this high because over the centuries the mortar gives way and the bricks give way and so on. This one has stayed like that since 50 AD, an amazing construction because every stone has been individually placed. Now... Guys, where's all this leading? Okay, I'll tell you where it's leading. It's leading to uh, the fact that in our reading tonight we're talking about stones, uh, and uh, in the New Testament, in the New Testament, actually there are two powerful images for the church. One is the body of Christ, a body, you know, like hands, nose, feet. We're familiar with that particular image. Then there's this lesser known image of the church as the temple of God. Made up of living stones, each stone carefully placed in position to form something beautiful. Each stone carefully shaped by the master craftsman, God himself, through the work of the Holy Spirit. And each stone placed carefully in the overall construction. You get the picture. And this image speaks of the preservation of our individuality as members. You know, unlike a brick kiln that just turns out bricks and everything looks the same, a stone, each one, look the same, but there's a little individuality about each stone. It also speaks to the various parts that we're called to play in, our, in, our, in the role we play in terms of maintenance of, of unity and, and harmony and solidarity. When each stone is being shaped and worked on by God, we get a situation of spiritual formation, which is a term I know is very... Is very important to Sam, and we talk about this all the time spiritual formation, that that whole thing of forming a stone to to fit into its rightful place in the overall construction. Verse 5 Come as living stones and let yourselves be used in building the spiritual temple. And so tonight it's a celebration of the Church of Jesus Christ. We're celebrating the benefits of being firmly planted in the community of faith. Celebrating the need to be in community with God's people. You can't be a Christian in isolation. You need to be planted in the community, in the body of Christ. I'm going to say four things tonight about the church. Four things arising out of my own experience of a lifetime in the church of Jesus Christ. I have been an official member in 12 churches over my lifetime. and I've ministered in three of them on a full-time basis and two of them Uh, in a part-time basis when I was in theological college. These four things will be positive. They will be realistic. They will be designed to illustrate the uniqueness of this this organism we call the body of Christ or the temple of God, the stones being placed in their rightful positions. Right at the outset, let me say this. There are four things I am not going to say about the church of Jesus Christ. Four things you might be expecting me to say. But I'm not going to say them. Number one, I'm, never going to, I'm not going to say it will never let you down. I'm not going to say that because that's not true. During the course of my ministry, I have helped countless numbers of people who have come to me and in the very early stages of the conversation, it's been along these lines, Graham, I'm here to give the church one more chance. I've been let down badly and I'll give the details and often it's quite horrific. Uh, we're here to give it one more chance. We, we've heard that you kind of your church specialises in... And you know one of the great thrills of ministry, and it's happened here so many times in, in Northside, and some of you listening to me now tonight are part of this group, we have had great success in restoring people to, to health within the body of Christ. And one of the great thrills of the latter part of last year was a couple who came to me with this very same declaration, we're here to give it one more shot. And they raised the topic, they said, please include us in our Welcome Sunday sometime in 2014. We're ready to make a step back into the family of God. That's, that's the kind of thing that just throws you in ministry. Okay, here's the second thing I'm not going to say. You'll be cared for better than in any other setting. Because, look, guys, Christians don't have exclusive rights to compassion and care. I mean, in, a, in our better moments, we do it very well. But there are other groups around who show great com, compassion and, and care for the, the members that are part of their, of their groups. I can't even say you will never be judged. I'd like to be able to say that, but I can't even say that because over the years I know there are people here and there are people I've come across who have been judged in the church. I've got a friend back in Adelaide who was part of my last congregation. We'll call him Dave. That's not his real name. And Dave, on his own admission, was an elder in a church that he, in his own words, we had a pretty tightly nailed down. As an eldership, we could tell you who was going where and we ran a pretty tight ship. And you know, certain types were not had to be sort of dealt with uh, before they could become fully a part of the church. It was a denomination where you had to actually vote on membership, and it was a conservative, I guess, bordering on fundamentalist church. And and day was a proud elder, and that, and he'd sort of you know read the right act to a few people who'd fallen, and he had verse, you know, text for every little situation you could think of. And then one day he came home and he found his wife in bed with another woman, and that just turned his world upside down as a man in, in his late forties. And he was just shocked at the core. And subsequently, those, they were divorced. And then he had a problem because then he was on the other side of that sort of church life. And to cut a long story short, he was pretty much asked to leave that church because he had failed in one of the areas that they took very seriously, divorce, marriage breakup. And he came to our church as a broken man. He said, I've been an elder. I've led Bible studies. I've been on the platform. He said, I haven't been to church for two years. I just don't know where I am. Somebody, a, friend of me, a friend of mine said, maybe, maybe you can help. And I had the privilege of seeing that guy restored. He'd been judged pretty badly in that setting. I, can never, I can't even say you'll never be lonely. can't say you'll never be lonely. Because some of you have been in churches and, look, you may still be feeling somewhat lonely in this church. I hope we've helped to help you to see how you can overcome that in other ways as well. But I can't even say you'll never be lonely. One of the reasons I've always pushed for growth in the churches that I've ministered in, never been satisfied with the existing size, always pushed for growth because I want new people around the place. I want my people to be pushed into making new relationships. I don't want us to get to a stage where we're comfortable, everybody knows everybody and we feel really good because we're all a similar type and you know, we do things on long weekends and we're all cool. Uh, I don't want that sort of church. I've always pushed for growth. I want a church that, that is on the edge of welcoming people that might be a little different, that might be a little strange, that might have some real issues. I want to develop a culture that's inclusive, that works hard at assimilation. That's why church growth has been a very important factor in my ministry. So there are four things we're not going to say tonight. And it saddens me to think that we have to highlight these points. But there is a reason why we can speak with such conviction about these four points and say, look, we can't really say them in all honesty. There's a reason for that. It's because the church is made up of people. And people are fallible. People are fallible. And in certain circumstances, things go astray. But guys, here's the thing. The one on whom the church is founded is infallible. I'm talking Jesus Christ. He will never let you down. He never stops caring. He, he never condemns. He never leaves you. These are the assertions we can make about the one whom we believe to be the Son of God, the Savior of the world. He's the one whose name we're lifting high tonight. But in the remaining moments, I want to focus on the four things we can assert unequivocally, about the church of Jesus Christ. This is the church where spiritual formation is taken seriously. This church I'm going to describe to you. Spiritual formation is a priority. This is the church that sees itself as a spiritual temple where each stone is being placed in its rightful position, shaped by the master craftsman, fitted into the place where it can serve and do its best work. And that's an ongoing life process. Does this perfect church exist? No. It doesn't exist this side of heaven. But are there churches around the place with a desire to develop a Christ-centered approach and reflect his love and grace and mercy in all their in all they do? Are there churches like that? Yes, there are. Is this church one of them? Yes, it is. Are we fallible? Yes, we are. But we have as our aim as our as our basic conviction and premise for ministry that of being the very best we can be for Jesus Christ. So when this is happening, when there is this desire, then there are at least four things we can assert unequivocally about the church of Jesus Christ. And the first is this, we don't shoot our wounded. That's the first thing. You know, there can be very few things worse than an army or an organisation of any description that does not care for those who can't keep up. But does not care for those who fall by the wayside, those who, who get into strife. Uh, this point raises the issue of vulnerability. It's, it's one of my favourite words. Vulnerability, uh, you've heard me say it before, it comes from the Latin word vulnerare, which means to wound. And so when we talk about vulnerability, it's an environment in which it's okay to talk about our woundedness, the times we've messed up, the times we haven't made it, In the church of Jesus Christ, it's meant to be a setting where you can be real. You can be real. You can be who you are. Not just left as you are. God wants to do this shaping, this crafting work on you to put you in your right. But you can come as you are. There's no pretense. We will minister. We will care. Because that's what we receive from Jesus. Remember the woman at the well? I love that story. Where she wanted to keep the conversation very superficial. Uh, Jesus came and he knew straight away what her issues were. And uh, she wanted to talk about worship. And, oh, well, you because you Jews say you should worship there and we Samaritans say here. And, and Jesus said, hey, listen, you've been married five times, haven't you? Ooh. Yeah. You've been on RSVP, eHarmony. E- you just haven't found the right one yet, right? <laughs> I, I know that. And uh, you're living with a guy, right? You go, oh, please, no, no, it's okay. You're living with a guy right now, not your husband. It's okay. We can talk, let's be real. Your sin is not terminal. I can restore you, I can heal you. This is Jesus, you know. Vulnerability. She learned a huge lesson that day in that area. Here's the second thing. Where you're going is more important than where you've been in the Church of Jesus Christ. Where they're building blocks being placed into their rightful position, people are being planted. It's kind of linked to the last point, but it's also to do with grace and it's to do with forgiveness. It's to do with fiercely resisting our natural tendency to judge. We've all got it. Leaving the judging to him. That's that's I've found the most liberating thing in, in Christianity. Leave the judging to Jesus, to God. That's their work, not ours. We've got a morning attender here. She's just been coming for a short time. And... Uh, Gosh, it really I've heard this so many times, but it really hurt me. Never it always hurts me. She says, her, her daughter rang me and said, Thank you for caring for my mother. I said, She's only been here one week. She said, Yeah, I know, but she thinks she's found the church for her because she's been trying to get churches in this area. And she's been a Christian all her life, but she's finding blockages and walls because you see, about six months ago, her and dad divorced after 37 years. And she's just finding that people go, ooh. Don't know how to handle you. It's a little bit different I, I can't believe it I mean, it's just, now I don't know which churches she's been to but it was church heirs that's really sad because the big D word That's you know, a big no no in love. I mean that, that's that, that means if you get in that pathway you are isolating about 50% of the population uh, close to you know of the married population anyway uh, and so we've got divorced care here we, we large percentage of our people will be coming out of broken marriages a second time around blended families like you know where you've been it's not as important as where you're going. That's in the church of Jesus Christ where spiritual formation is, is a key factor. Here's another one. Our, our generosity will inspire you. This is what Acts 2 is all about. Remember Acts 2? You know, they, 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 those closing verses, verses 43 to 47. It, it describes the community of faith. They were selling possessions, distributing money to the poor. The ancient world never seen anything like it. It was, it was unprecedented. Yes, there were some mitigating factors. Some of them believed that the return of Jesus Christ was imminent and that was a big factor in, well, what have we got to lose? Just sell the whole lot, give it away, You know, let's get more on board. A little bit of that, but also just a strong sense of, of just desire to just let it all flow after what he's done for us. Why are we hanging on to all this stuff when there are needy people around us? It's a powerful, it's the church at its, at its best in those days. And it was a huge factor in the, in the success of evangelism, people being drawn on that basis. Guys, look, in the churches I've served in, I've seen unbelievable expressions of generosity. I've seen it in this church. I've seen it every, every week. I'm not just talking money, although money has been a big one, you know, putting this whole project together. Some of you missed out on our capital programs. That's a shame. Uh, <laughs> they were pretty hard-hitting, I tell you. I mean, In the sense of the hard-hitting by the Spirit, people, people made incredible sacrifices, put holidays on hold, decided not to buy second cars, all kinds of things to give in excess of a million dollars in, in investments, like money, to make all this happen, keep our debt down. Amazing. And I've seen it in churches, other churches I've served in. I've seen it, generosity, in terms of time. We see it every week. Availability, accessibility. Just one of my big motivating factors in, in, in the work I do is there are so many around me doing it for nothing. Who am I not to give hundred and ten percent? I'm to getting paid for it. It's a huge factor in my motivation in, in ministry. And this is all in response to what Jesus has done for us. Second Corinthians eight nine, though rich, yet for our sakes he became poor. Jesus Christ, the ultimate expression of generosity, just gave it all, gave it all for us. Here's the fourth and final thing: Our love and acceptance will envelop you. This is the church that this is the church that's putting the allowing the blocks, the stones to be put in their rightful place, each one beautifully shaped. Our love and acceptance. Will envelop you. I love that word, envelop. It means to completely surround, completely surround. When we experience the love, the grace, the acceptance, the forgiveness of God through the members of the body of Christ, through the living stones of the temple, it's not just a—it's not just like receiving an emotional shot in the arm. It's just like a kind of spiritual pick me up. I mean, it can be transformational. I've seen people's lives totally turn around. Seen it right here. Some of you listening to me now, you know what I'm talking about. You're the one. Total turnaround, darkness to light. I've seen people's lives radically changed, and it's fantastic. it's powerful. It's like no other therapy you can get a hold of. It's Holy Spirit-driven and empowered, and it's brilliant when you see it. Darkness to light. Why is it so crucial we be planted in a church that has Christ at the center? that has a desire to be the very best we can be for him, there are the four reasons. There are at least there. are four of them. There are many more if we had time. There are four reasons. And guys, that makes the Church of Jesus Christ somewhat unique. Some groups will come close to some of those ideals. But even the groups that come close, if they're operating purely on a secular basis, they leave out the spiritual component. You can only go so far. You can't go right to the depths of soul to soul, spirit to spirit. Um, I'll I'll be honest with you. I made reference to my training in the secular world. Um, That's always been a point where I sort of like drop short of you know what the next step is. But choosing to go into that context, you work within a paradigm, a boundary. You can't start preaching. (laughs) You can witness. You can talk about your faith privately. Privately. But at the end of a of of an eight week course for these executives, I can not say, you know what, you guys really need Jesus Christ. That would uh, everything we've talked about, you know, confidence and being who he's the one. I wouldn't have lasted 27 years uh, on that basis. I had to cross that bridge early in the piece. But that's the. I mean, if you're not delving into that dimension of human existence, even if you've got those in some other club or whatever, you're still not getting to what it's really all about. Because we're spiritual beings. We've been created by God for a relationship with him. Everything, not just this book, but everything, when you look at it, screams out that reality. And a relationship with Jesus Christ is that which takes care of so many of the problems and the the hassles and the difficulties that we see in our world today. Here's the last thing I want to say. There's an aspect of being a living stone in God's temple we, we just need to touch on. Because... In one sense, it, it crystallizes everything I've said so far. In one sense, we have to go to a verse in Matthew's Gospel, uh, rather Mark's Gospel. Sorry, Mark chapter ten, and it's uh, it's verses twenty nine and thirty, two verses. Listen to this: the disciples. The background of this is the disciples have said, "Lord, we've left everything. You know, we've already given ourselves to you. We've become, you know, part of your living stones, your body. We've given over everything. Like, what's in it for us? You know, so far it's been." Pretty much, you know, roughing it. No five star accommodation. A lot of sleepless nights. A lot of persecution. What, what's happening? What's in it for us? And Jesus says this in verse 29 Yes, said Jesus, I tell you, those who leave home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or property for me and for the gospel will receive much more in this present age they will receive a hundred times more houses brothers sisters mothers children and property and persecutions as well and in the age to come they will receive eternal life now that can look like the health wealth theology that we we're all a bit scared of at least I hope we are because it's not Biblical. You know, come to Jesus and, you know, you'll go from a Commodore to a BMW. You know, because there it is. You know, and you'll, and you'll get bigger homes and bigger houses and better jobs and it's all there in Jesus and that's what we base it on. No, no, no. That wasn't what he was talking about. He was talking about entry into the family of God all of a sudden multiplies the number of brothers you have and the number of sisters you have and the number of homes where you could lob and say, hey, I'm really down on mic. Come on in, man. Wow, we welcome you. You, you, that's, we're here for you. It's, it's that multiplication principle where entry being planted in the body of Christ gives you access to a worldwide community. I've proved it. You've, some of you proved it. You can go to deepest, darkest Africa. And there's Christians there who welcome you and love you. We prove it with Madagascar every year. I've proved it in my trips around the world. Wherever the body of Christ is, there are people, there are, there are brothers and sisters straight off the bat. So that's it. you receive a hundred times, maybe a thousand times more. Yes, there are persecutions, and in the age to come, eternity. Guys, uh, I've been planted in the body of Christ. Sometimes with the roots not quite so deep as I would have liked them over the years, with a bit of waywardness in my early years. But I'm here to tell you tonight, I have not one regret about choosing to be a Christian when I was 15 years of age. Not one regret about being planted in the body of Christ, because that last verse, that has been my experience Continues to be my experience. I know the experience of many of you as well. The church is not the perfect organisation, but where there is a desire to have each stone carefully put into position, shaped by the master craftsman, something beautiful happens. We're beginning to prove it here. Many churches are. I guess the question is tonight, where are you in the construction? Are you still a rough kind of stone rock just on the sidelines, haven't even been picked up yet? haven't even allowed yourself to be picked up by the master. The shaping process hasn't even started yet because you're still on the act. On the, you've yet to say, I, I want to be a Christian. I want to begin this process. You can do that tonight. You can pray with us at the end of the service. Uh, maybe you're a, a stone that somehow has fallen out of the construction. You need to get back, need to get shaped and get back into place. Whatever your need tonight, it's possible to respond to Jesus in whatever way he's challenging you to do. Let's bow in prayer, shall we?